All right, church family. Anybody feeling good today? Come on now. Come on, if you feel good, somebody make some noise. That's how I'm feeling. Yeah. Woo. All right. Why don't you look at the person right next to you, tell them, say, you're looking good today. Come on, tell them that. And if they don't have green on, you know what to do. Come on, just love on them a little bit with a pinch of the Lord. There you go. Hey, what, what a great day it is to be here. I'm so excited to share with you the message that God has put in my heart. Uh, one of the things I want to do right out of the gate here, take a look at the cameras in the back of the room and say a great big hello to our extended church family. So many of you know that we are one church in two locations. So we have our church family right here in the South Metro Atlanta area. That's all of you in the room. Make some noise if you're in the room. Come on. Yeah. And then... 702 miles north of here in Germantown, Maryland, just outside of our nation's capital, is our Go Church family. We're so glad to have all of you connected and just love what God is doing. Love the staff there. Love the team there. Love our campus pastor, David Waldrop. Come on, can you bless Go Church today? Come on, let them hear you all the way from the south. Love it. So glad to have you connected. And then, of course, all of you online, love you. Glad you're tuning in today. I pray the same spirit of God that's in this room you feel through the live stream. And then one of the things we always do is we give honor to the brave military men and women. And I think we ought to just erupt in applause for them. Come on now. Those serving and those who have served. Come on a little bit louder. Come on, bless them. Yeah. Hey, uh, and just a quick observation, if you've got an empty seat near you, why don't you scoot in, because people are still coming in, we want to make sure we got room for them, and we're going to have to make extra room on Sunday, April the 7th, because we're doing Sunday Fun Day. Anybody ever been a part of a Sunday Fun Day, you know how amazing these days are, and I guarantee you that this Sunday Fun Day, we're going to hit a home run. Come on now. The whole theme is baseball theme. We're calling it a Grand Slam Sunday at both of our campuses. We've got giveaways. We've got prizes, etc. And here's why we do this, and it's on purpose, and I want to let you know. So this isn't some gimmick or some trick, but we believe that we ought to take a couple of Sundays out of the year and really be intentional about inviting unchurched people and then those who are not connected to a church family. This Sunday is not about pulling people away from other churches where they're attending. It's about going after family members, coworkers, neighbors, etc., that they need a good church home. And I think we'd all agree this is a pretty good place to call home. Come on now. So we're, we're pulling out all the stops on this Sunday, fun day. On your way out today at both campuses, you're getting invite cards, so make sure you grab those. And I want you to canvas our communities, canvas this county, canvas Montgomery County, Maryland. Let's pack the house for Jesus that day. It's going to be a great day, and we're excited for you to save the date. Save the date. Uh, the Lord's put a message in my heart already on this day, for this day, and I can't wait to share it with you. So mark your calendars. And as you know, we're in the third week now of a series that we're calling Five Things That Will Keep Your Family Together. Has anybody enjoyed the first couple of weeks? Come on, I have just been blown away by the response and to what God is doing. And so for those of you just jumping in, I want to take a few minutes. I'm going to rapid fire through this. But we're taking the five Sundays in the month of March and we're looking at one Sunday, each Sunday, and attaching one foundational truth that I believe is critical in the desire to keep our family together. Now, you know and I know that there are far more than just five things that we need to do. But I believe if you do these five things, at least these five things, it will change the trajectory of the family dynamic. 
And so we're looking through the course of these five Sundays at different topics and not just me sharing, but we're actually taking the scripture, opening up the Bible and seeing how, how God speaks to us through these five topics on how we can keep our family together. So we're taking biblical truth because how many of you know that it is that truth that sets us free? Now, all five weeks laid out for you so that you can kind of see the course of where we've come from and where we're going. Looks like this. Two weeks ago, we talked about God. Last Sunday, we talked about forgiveness. Uh, today, we're going to talk about margin. The following week, we'll talk about effort. And then we'll close out the, the five things with talking about the, the necessity to communicate in a healthy, in a healthy manner. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, I shared with you some scary statistics. And, and that's really what they are. Not to depress you, but, but to remind you of the gravity of the necessity to get the things in our home together. The enemy is after your family. The enemy does not like you being a house that is united. The enemy does not like that you have a home of peace. And so the enemy will not stop. And so there is spiritual warfare. And then there is also society. And it seems like no matter where we turn, there is this difficulty of keeping our families together. Statistics tell us that somewhere between 40 and 50% of marriages are now going to end in divorce. That's heartbreaking. We learned that one in three children will now grow up in a home without a father. Let me just, this is just a plug. That's why we need more spiritual fathers to stand up. Come on. And to teach young men and teach young women and teach young families what it means to make Jesus the center of their home. Uh, here's another thought. The average student loan debt, you know, is $49,000. So you're going to come into a new family. You're going to come into marriage, and you're going to have almost fifty grand worth of debt. And I don't know about you, but that financial difficulty is overwhelming. It's overwhelming to start out of the gate and say, okay, I want to do things right. I want to do things well. But now I'm in a financial bind. Come on. And let me just say this. I see some people looking. I love the sound of crying babies because God is the giver of life. Come on. That's not a distraction to me. That is just a reminder that God gives us life. And if you think your kid has never cried, you're wrong. You are wrong. You probably got the most annoying kid of all of them. Come on now. Turn in every say he's talking about your kid now. Thank God for life. So over the course of this, 7 million children take a form of antidepressant medication. That's overwhelming, isn't it? Over 3,000 high schoolers will attempt suicide every single day. Every day. And so the pain of that and the reality of that puts us in this place where we need God to do something in our families. So here's been the driving thought. The driving thought is this. While statistics suggest that the average family is not doing well, here's, here's my prayer, is that my family does not have to be average. Come on, give me an amen right there. Matter of fact, on the count of three, both campuses, I want you to make this a declaration over your household. One, two, three. My family does not have to be. Now I want you to say it like you actually believe it and that you mean it. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to fall into the norm of statistical, you know, uh, reality. We're going to break the mold. God has equipped us to be more than conquerors. God has wired us not to be quitters, but to be fighters. Come on, say it again and mean it. One, two, three. My family does not have to be. And the Lord told me to pause right here and pray for you over that. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray that you buy into that truth. That no matter what you walked in here with, and no matter what you walk out with, 
you walk out with hope. Hope. Jesus, right now, I pray for families that we would understand that through you, through the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus up from the grave lives inside of us. And we have the power not to be average, but to, but, to be, but to be more than conquerors. We are blessed. Your family is blessed. I call your marriage blessed. I call your children blessed. Come on, I call your household blessed. Somebody receive that. I call your finances blessed. You do not have to be average in Jesus' name. If you believe it, come on, give Jesus the best praise you've given him all day long. Come on, from the front of this room to the back of the room to go church yeah love it so we're we're in partnership together we've created a website 30dayfamily.com everything you need in order to take this 30-day family challenge lives there ton of resources family devotion some budgeting tips and advice and one of the one of the things that's on there is a 30-day family challenge calendar many of you have already received this uh, on your way out you picked it up at next steps counter or you've downloaded it from the 30dayfamily.com website and on this calendar is just some suggested opportunities each and every day and so I think it's great for you to kind of take this and put it into practice in your family. It's not made to be legalistic, but it's just a template. You can scratch out certain events and put in your own events. But I will tell you this, on this Friday night, uh, the 22nd of March, both campuses were doing a family night, which considered to be a date night. So for those of you that are ready for a date, we're providing free childcare at both campuses. And you can sign up for that, and you do need to sign up so that we can be prepared to handle your children in Jesus' name. And we want to feed them and make sure that we have enough duct tape. I'm just kidding. For the workers, for the workers, 30dayfamily.com at either campus, you can sign up there. And I say families of small children, don't drop your 29-year-old lazy son off, you know. Take him to the like, unemployment line or something. Let him work on his resume. So the biggest piece of the 30-day family challenge is you being in church all five Sundays some of you, you're off to a really great start. Others of you, you've just jumped in today. And let me tell you, that's okay because it is never too late to make your family a priority. Come on, right there. Never too late to make your family a priority. And then also because we want you to be here all five weeks, we're bribing your kids. So if we do anything well, we're going to bribe your children. There you go. And we're telling them if they come four out of five Sundays to get a free gift. And so some of your children are like, you got to get up, Mom. you got to get up, Dad. we got to go to church. I heard about one seven-year-old that Ubered here last Sunday. That's a joke. It's a joke. But, hey, they're committed to coming to church. <laughs> Maybe you should Uber too. Matthew chapter 7. It's the foundational, it's like the theme verse of the whole series. And I know I'm giving you some recap time, but I want to get us all on the same page. And let me turn my attention to preaching here out of Matthew 7. Because Jesus gives us this understanding that if we want to build our life on something that will allow us to be successful. And not successful in the way that the world defines success, but successful in how he defines success. Then he says that we have to build our life, build our home build our family on him, on Jesus. And he's talking to his disciples, and now 2,000 plus years later, he's talking to us, and he uses a house, he uses a home as the example, as the analogy. And here's what he says. Everybody who hears these words of mine, so he's talking, uh, he's giving a sermon. He says, everybody that hears these words of mine and you put them into practice, you are like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Somebody say the rock. the rock. 
And here's, here's the good news. When you build your life, when you build your home, when you build your marriage, when you build the infrastructure of raising children on the rock, when the rain comes, and guess what? The rain gon' come. When the rain comes down and the streams rise and the winds blow and beat against your house, the good news is because the foundation of your life and home and marriage and family is on Jesus, it will not fall. So when everybody else's family around you is crumbling because you put God at the center of your house, it will not fall. It doesn't mean there won't be problems. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have trouble. But he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. That's good news, isn't it? He says, and it won't fall because the foundation is the rock. And then he says, but some of y'all will refuse to listen. He says, I, I'm giving you a test, but I, I've equipped you with the answers. And he says, some of you will still refuse to listen. And so instead of using the answers I've given you, you'll just Christmas tree multiple choice in this test called life, and it won't work well. He says, you'll hear these words of mine, but you won't put them into practice. And you're like a foolish man. And you've built your house on sand. Somebody say sand. And guess what? No matter what foundation you choose to build your life, no matter what foundation you choose to build your home and your marriage and the way you parent, the rain's still going to come. It's coming. None of us are exempt from that. He says, so when it comes, put it on, put that foundation on the rock and not on sand because when the winds blow and the rain comes and the waters rise and it beats against your house because your home, your life, your marriage is built on sand, it will fall with a great crash. Do you see that? And he says, the wiser of these two builders was not the difference between ignorance and knowledge because he told us what to do. He says, the wiser of the two builders is the one that heard the word and put it into practice. So the difference isn't ignorance and knowledge. The difference is obedience and disobedience. And listen to me, don't come all five weeks of this five things to keep your family together series and not take these words and put them into practice. It's like having a coach that tells you how to get a better golf swing. Y'all better watch out now. Or a baseball coach that helps, tells you how to get a better follow through or whatever that looks like. And you refuse to do it because we're stubborn and we think we know best. Can I just tell you Jesus knows best? Uh, week number one, we talked about God. Here's the question. What does it look like for God to be the most important thing in your family? Week number two, last Sunday, I talked about forgiveness from a few different angles did anybody enjoy last Sunday? Like for me, very liberating. I talked not only about what to do when people offend you, but I also talked about how we can learn to be less offendable. And I challenged you with this thought, am I willing to accept what Jesus did on the cross as payment for what they did to me? So if you missed either one of those weeks, jump back and listen to it or, or watch the replay on YouTube or Vimeo. Today we're talking about margin. Count of three, everybody in this room, everybody at Go Church, say the word margin. One, two, three. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, margin doesn't sound very spiritual. The idea of building our home on God, that's spiritual. The concept of you telling me how to forgive somebody that hurt me, that's spiritual. But Pastor JC, margin, I, I don't even know what that means. But let me tell you this. Do you know that God believed so much in the concept of margin that he built it into the Ten Commandments? So on the same list as don't steal, honor your mother and father, 
do not murder, God also says, I need you to build in some margin in your life because I know that you're going to be busy. And so I'm challenging you to keep the Sabbath holy, to protect that day so that stuff doesn't come in and steal it away from you. Does that make sense? Let me show you what margin is. Margin is the difference between where we are and where our limits are. Okay, and I love to show you this graph, and you've seen it a few times, because I think in any season of our life, this type of graph can, can really dictate where we are, because here's the truth. We are always in our reality, and then we're always going somewhere, and that gap, and this is good news, that gap is filled with grace. It's filled with Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his son to fill up our gap. Come on now. And the truth is this. Margin is where we are to where our limits are. And when you and I have a very small area of margin, we reach our limit really quick. Okay, let me say it like this, because some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. When we have a small amount of margin, we flip our lid fast. And when the margin level is small... When we've got no, here's another way to say it, breathing room. Breathing room. Everybody take a deep breath. Now let it out. Hope you brush your teeth. <laughs> this area, when it's small, is filled with bitterness. It's filled with fighting. It's filled with anger. It's filled with resentment. And watch this. When we have no margin, then we lose moral margin. And we start to sin. And we make poor choices because we have no breathing room. And some of you are sitting there thinking, listen, that, that sounds normal. Like, that's my life. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overworked. I'm miserable. I'm stressed. And let me tell you, society says all of that is normal. Society also says that divorce is normal and that your children should grow up to be rebellious, that that is normal. But I've come to break that that idea that normal is not working. Normal is not working. And the Lord dropped this thought in my spirit. Here's the problem. Too many of us, we're living on the premise of the world instead of the promise of his word. Come on, I need a couple hundred people that would agree with that statement. We're so consumed with living on the premise of the world that we've stopped living on the promise of his word. Jesus said it, and I've told you three weeks in a row, do not build your life. Do not build your home. Do not raise your children on sinking sand. That is the premise of the world. And the world will say, listen, do things our way. Hollywood will tell us how to raise our family. But the world is not for us. The world is against us. And we're bought in by consumerism to do things the way of the world. But can I tell you that John said it this way in John 1.1. He said, in the beginning was the Word, come on now, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so the idea is stop building your family on the world and build your family on the Word, and the Word is Jesus. It's Jesus. And you and I, we got to be real. We're guilty. We're guilty of living our lives the way the world says. We're guilty of of doing marriage the way the world says. We're, 
we're guilty of doing parenting the way the world says. And I'm not up here preaching down to you. If, if I'm preaching to anybody, I'm preaching to me. We're so, so caught up in, in scheduling our lives the way the world says to schedule. And the world says, add to your plate, add to your plate, work long hours, take on more responsibilities. And listen to me, it's killing us. And not only is it killing us, but it's killing our families and it's killing our marriages. So don't tell me that this concept of margin is not spiritual. If you get this area right, it changes the dynamic of your family overnight. So what do we do? Well, Paul jumps into this conversation. The Apostle Paul, he's written over two-thirds of the New Testament. He's a smart guy. God touched his heart, and he says, listen to me. He says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. He says, you've got to stop doing it the way the world suggests to do it. And he says, and now you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't want to take Paul's words out of context, but I think what he's suggesting here to us in the year 2019, he's saying there is a cultural pull. There is a societal pull. And the pull will always be in effect. And the pull is to pull you away from the things that you say are most important. And he says, listen, you've got to be different. You've got to think different. You have to act different. You can't do things the way the world says and think that it's going to turn out okay. And then for me and you, come on. We tend to do the same thing over and over and over again, the same thing, the same routine, the same habit, and we expect that there's going to be a different result. That's the definition of insanity. If you have desired results to see your family stay together, here's the bottom line. You can't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to think different. You've got to act different. You have to be different. Does anybody agree? Okay. There's a, a great book, and I want you to write the, the book title down. It's called Divine Mentor. Divine Mentor. It's written by the author Wayne Cordera. And in this particular book, he writes about a tree. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're going to tell me a story about a tree. I am. And I'm going to show you how it ties into this concept of spiritual margin. He writes about this tree, and not just any tree, but one tree in particular, a tree that was planted over 400 years ago in 1606 in a park that would one day be known as Yosemite National Park. Over 400 years, this tree grew to be north of 240 feet high. I don't know if any of you have ever had a chance to travel to Yosemite National Park and encounter the, the broad reality of these Yosemite sequoia trees, massive in size. Well, not many years ago, this particular tree that we're talking about that he writes in his book came crashing down. It fell in the middle of the forest. And so, of course, the forest service came and they began to investigate what caused this particular tree to fall after it being strong and growing for north of 400 years. There were no documented windstorms. There was no fire damage. 
They didn't see any animal destruction or insect infestation. There was no known lightning strikes. And so again, the Forest Service, they opened up an investigation. What caused this tree to come crashing down? And I want to tell you the results of what they discovered. And I want you to hear this. I want you to lean in because I don't want you to miss it. After months of research and investigation, they learned that the primary cause of the tree crashing down was this, foot traffic, foot traffic. They recognized that after years of Yosemite National Park being open, that tourists from all around the world would come and stand at the base of this tree and look up in all of its beauty and magnitude. And because of all of the foot traffic being trampled on the tree's root system, it destroyed the tree at its source of life. So here's what the Forest Service Department did. They implemented a policy. And the policy is on certain trees. They have now placed fences around some of the oldest trees to keep the public from trampling on the root systems of these giants. And here's why I tell you the story about that tree. Because ladies and gentlemen, margin is a fence. Margin is a fence that will protect the root system of your family. Margin keeps in what needs to stay in and watch, keeps out who and what needs to stay out. Come on now. And if you're looking for a church that preaches truth, you found one. Because I'm not going to hold back, and I'm going to be brutally honest with you. You and your families, and my family included, we have too much going on. We are so busy. And you know you are when people ask you how you're doing, and your immediate response is, well, we're just busy. And the problem is, is that we've created no margin. And because there's no margin, there's too much foot traffic at the base of the root system of your family tree. And watch this. It's causing that root system to be trampled on. And if you're not careful, hear my heart, eventually your family tree will crash. And it will fall down and it'll be destroyed. Listen to me. You've got to create these fences You've got to have some breathing room. You've got to figure out a way to slow down. What do we do? I don't know. It's a joke. Paul tells us. He says in Ephesians 5, I studied too hard. I, fat, I didn't eat enough food this week to tell you what to do. Here it is. Look carefully then how you what? Because you're trampling on the root system of your family. You're not walking wise. You're walking unwise. He says, so, so you need to be careful how you walk. And then watch what he says in verse 16. I mean, this is like, this is a, <clears throat> this will be a revelation, an eye-opener for many of us. He says this, he says, make the best use of your, shout it out, time. Why? Because ladies and gentlemen, the days are evil. And every day that you and I live, that day has one purpose. And the purpose of that day is to suck the energy, to steal the passion, 
to remove the margin from your life so that you and I fall into traps. And Paul says, listen, you've got to walk carefully and you have to be wise and make the best use of your time because the days are evil. And then he says this, and do not be an idiot. Don't be foolish. He says, because if you don't walk wise, if you don't walk careful, if you don't create margin, if you don't put up a fence, he says, you won't even know what the will of the Lord is. Yeah. Let me go back. Let me show you this one because this is the one that gets me making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Let's read that at both campuses on three. One, two, three. Come on. Making the best use of your time. You can believe me or not, but I'm telling you in my own life, culture and society wants to pull you away from the things that you say are most important. Have you ever had a day that didn't go according to how you planned it to go? Have you ever scheduled your to-do list only to complete everything except what was on your to-do list? <laughs> that seems to be my life. And what I'm trying to tell you is that if you want your family to stay together, you're going to have to, here, here it is, you're going to have to learn to schedule wisely. Notice I didn't say learn to schedule right because of lot, a lot of what you're involved in is good stuff. But I said, learn to schedule wisely. Because in Ephesians 5, Paul is warning us, be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you plan your day. Be careful how you create your schedule. Be careful what you say yes to. Be careful what you accept as responsibility. Be careful what you add to your plate. Because culture has an attempt to drag us far away from the things that we say matter the most. As a matter of fact, I want to show you two reasons that you're too busy. Two reasons you're too busy. Number one is this. Write it down. The urgent takes priority over the important. Don't you feel like everything is urgent? And I feel like when I get an email, like, I got to respond. They're waiting on me. You get that text, i got to respond. Get that phone call, I've got to respond. And what happens is we look at our life and everything starts to feel urgent. And all of those urgent things will take priority over what's important. Now let me keep speaking truth, okay? Date nights with your husband and with your wife, that is important. Like two of you said amen. <laughs> Every man in this room, at least he gets some brownie points. and be like, amen, that's right, tell him, pastor. It's because you ain't taking her out on a date. And if you don't, somebody else will. Because statistics back that up. I don't ever worry about Kimberly cheating on me. I don't have, not because I look good. I will say this, though, I'm rocking this dad bod. I'm proud of it. But you know why I'm not worried about her cheating on me? Because she don't get far away from me. Because I'm wise. <laughs> Where are you going? To the store? I'll go too. I'm the most shoppingest husband in the world. You're going to the mall? I'll go with you. She thinks I love shopping. No, I just love my wife. And I don't know if any of the guys can testify to this. But you, have, fellas, come on, let me talk to the fellas for a minute. Married men. Come on, all the married men in the room say, I'm here. I'm here. You ever walk in the mall and somebody look at your wife and they're like, mm. And I walk by, I'm like, she's mine. <laughs> Oh, my. 
You can look all day, but you touch her and I'll kill you. That's <laughs> what's up. Let me get back to my notes. It's really dangerous right now. Date nights with your wife is important. Being available for the birthday parties for your children. I can't tell you how many birthday parties I've gone to when the dad or mom's not even there. Out of town on work being available for anniversaries, being available for family get-togethers or reunions. Even if you don't like your family, they're still your family. You need to figure that out. And you're never going to like them anymore if you don't show up to stuff. You're building a wedge. You're creating that gap. Uh, being there at school plays and all of that. You know what else is important? Sleep. Sleep is important. Some of you aren't sleeping enough. That's why you're so irritable. Now, when I don't sleep, I'm in a bad mood. Anybody with me? But have you ever been so tired you can't even sleep? It's dangerous. But here's what really happens. You put something on the schedule with your family and the days are evil. And the email comes in and you get up from the table because you've got to return the constant flow of emails. You have a family day planned, but work won't stop calling and texting. And so you take the call because it feels urgent. You take the, the text because it feels, it feels urgent. You have a desire to make more money. Nothing wrong with that. You have a desire to achieve more success. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what happens? In order to do that, you have to work more hours, longer hours, overtime. And let me just say something because I'm in it thick already. Don't blame your inability to turn projects down on your job. So don't say to your children, well, you know, daddy's got to work. That's your choice. And I know you've got bills to pay. Don't email me that. I get it. We're all there. As a matter of fact, by a show of hands, how many of you have bills to pay? They're all, we all got it. But I only got one family. I only have one wife. And you know what? Sometimes it just feels good to close the laptop and turn the cell phone off. Did you know? that your cell phone has a power button. <laughs> Number two, you can't say no. You cannot say no. <laughs> this is a huge problem for so many people. And one of the reasons you can't say no is because you're afraid you're going to let somebody down. And you don't want to let anybody down. And so let, let me just let you in. If, that, if this is the group you're in, with your attempt not to let anyone down, you're actually letting everyone down. You're disappointing everybody because you're not giving anybody your best. You're giving everybody what's left. Do you see that? Let me rhyme it for you. You're not giving everybody your best. You're giving everybody the rest. Okay? So this attempt to, well, I'm a superhero. I'm Superman or Superwoman, and I'm going to do everything. I can do everything. You can't do it all. It's impossible to do it all, and it's trampling the root system of your family because you can't learn to say, no, this is going to be really therapeutic and liberating for so many people, but on the count of three at both campuses, I just want you to shout no. One, two, three. No. The loudest no is a teenager that knows he's got chores today. <laughs> no. <laughs> Clean your room. No. <laughs> you are not who I'm talking to. Sometimes we got to learn to say no. And let me take a moment because I fall into this category of somebody that's very driven, a type A personality. If you've ever taken the Enneagram personality test, let me talk to those of you for a minute. If you're a 1, 3, 7, or 8, you can't do everything. I know how that feels. 
You can't tackle it all. You can't say yes to every opportunity. You can't work every extra hour of overtime. You can't go on every single business trip. You can't do it all. You've got to learn to say what? No. No. And can I tell you that no is okay? And let me tell you from a leadership standpoint, from a leadership perspective, I would rather be told no instead of you telling me yes and then not following through with it. Just be honest. I would love to, but I can't. Like my life is too crazy right now. But, but catch me on the backside of Easter or something like that. Then let's have that conversation. Do you see that? You just can't say yes to everything. The other thing is this. Some of you can't say no because you wrestle with a debilitating disease called FOMO. F-O-M-O, FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. You don't want to be left out. you got to be in the know. And the only way to be in the know is to do it all. And this idea of the fear of missing out is crippling because the book of Proverbs says in 29, chapter 29, verse 25, that fearing people is a dangerous trap. And we fear people. We fear if I say no, they'll reject me. If I say no, I'm going to miss out on an opportunity. And that fear is a dangerous trap. And so here's what happens. Listen to me. So we continue to say yes to all of the good stuff. We say yes to all of the good things, but we're actually missing out on the best stuff. And, all your, and I'm telling you, from, from today moving forward, there's going to be a lot of good opportunities that come your way. And for some of you, you're going to say yes, 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 that when God finally answers the prayer that you've been praying, you'll miss it because you're so consumed with doing good stuff. Let me say it like this. We've got to have courage And we have to have faith to say no to the good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Do you see that? Somewhere along the line, we've got to have the courage and the faith to learn to say no to all the good stuff so that we can say yes to the best stuff. And Paul said this. We read it in Ephesians 5. He said, choosing the good over the best. Choosing the good stuff Over the best stuff, it's unwise, and it's foolish, and it's dangerous. And then he really hit us with a right hook when he said, and you don't even know what the will of the Lord is. You're so consumed, and you're so confused. Let me help you. You ready? Just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do something. Listen to me. Build the fence around the root system of your family tree and learn to say no. Just because you could do it doesn't mean you should. You have to walk wise. In my lifetime, I've learned that there are at least three areas that will always suffer when there's no margin. I'm going to do this in about five minutes. You ready? Area number one is this. When you have no margin, the first thing that goes out the window is your intimate time with God. At least it's that way for me. So when I get busy and I get overworked, I'll say, I'll get to this later. I'll pray later. Then all of a sudden I fall into this pattern of, you know, can't go to church. And I'm the pastor. (laughs) It kind of sounds like a problem, doesn't it? 
We say, well, God, I'm busy right now, so I'm going to put you on the back burner because I'm so distracted by all of the other stuff that's going on. And, and that, that's dangerous. As a matter of fact, there's a story, and I have to read it quick. Luke chapter 10 is Jesus and the disciples continued on their way. And many of you know this. They came to a city in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. And they came to a certain village. And there was a woman there by the name of Martha. Somebody say Martha. Martha opened up her house and she said, I want you to come into my home. Now her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. And what did she do? She listened. Listened to everything that Jesus was teaching. Watch this though. But Martha was distracted. She was distracted by the big dinner. She was distracted because a guest was coming over. A king was coming over. And I know what that's like when people come over to my house because that's like the one time a month we clean up. <laughs> We're spraying for breeze everywhere. Come on now. This is the one time that we get to upgrade from paper plates to the good china. Come on now. I mean, in my house, when guests come over, Kimberly's like, okay, let's make sure that the shower curtain matches the toilet paper, okay, everybody? And so she's distracted. Do you see that? And she says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister's being lazy? I'm, I'm doing all the work. And she's just sitting there listening to you. And watch what Jesus says. He says, my dear Martha, Martha, Martha. You're so worried, some of you got it, and upset over all of these details. And then he says this, and this is so good. He said, there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. And here's a thought that I want to give you. I think this is the best analogy of our lives because we're so busy doing work that you don't even know what it feels like to be still. What would it feel like to be still? Matthew 6 tells us our responsibility. Don't worry about these things. Stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat. Some of you are thinking about that right now. Like when he stops talking, where are we going to go? <laughs> what are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Some of you spent more time getting dressed for church than you did preparing your heart for church. So worried about all this, what I look like. God looks on the inside. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. He says, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. And then watch this. If you hold on to any verse, and I've given you so many, hold on to this one. He says, seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Here's the second thing. You know what else goes? Not just intimate time with God, but intimate time with family. Intimate time with family. See, you and I, we need to be more focused, not about the quantity of time, but the quality of time that we spend. Let me give you my schedule really quick. I try in recent weeks since the first of the year to get up early. So I think I'm doing a better job of getting up about 4.30 every morning, trying to get into the Word, and then get to the gym. Because Kimberly told me that I had to fix the dad bod, so I'm trying to get into the gym. And then I'm getting home, and my responsibility is to prepare breakfast for the family before the kids go off to school. So, like, I'm like Bobby Flay in the kitchen right now. Like, it's crazy. I'm telling you. I'm throwing it down and all that. I've got, like, a hibachi grill. <laughs> at least it's what it feels like. And then that starts at about 6.30. The kids get up at 6.30. they got to be downstairs by 7. we got to be in the car by 7.30. we got about a 20, 25-minute commute to drop them off at school. That means that in the morning I've got, what, an hour and a half? With my kids, 6.30 to 8, and then I work, like you, 
We in the grind together. And we have to. There's no way around that. And then you come home, what? If it's a good day, you can be home by 5.30. If you're running late, 6, 6.30. And the season that we're in as parents and the age of our children, our kids have to be in bed by 8. So that gives me a couple more hours. So on a really good day, I got five hours. On a really good day. These tears are tears of conviction, by the way. Because my kids at dinner will sometimes say, Dad, put down the phone. But it all feels urgent. Okay? And then when they go to bed, it's me and Kimberly. And then I got to get back to the laptop. I got to work really hard. You know, I know I'm in a busy season because I told Kimberly the other day, I said, these Sundays, they just come so fast. I blink and it's Sunday again. You ever feel that weight? And then for grandparents, your kids are grown and You've got little, little grandkids, and you wait for the moments that you get to spend with them, and they go by so fast. So it's not about the quantity of time, because we can't make up more time. We only get 24 hours in a day. But what we do with those 24 hours and the quality of time that we invest into it makes all the difference in the world. Put down the cell phone. Turn off the laptop. You spend those few hours with your children, with your spouse, with your family, and everything changes. Because when you have no margin, out the window goes intimate time with God and intimate time with your family. And here's the third, and I'm done. It's the intentional time of rest. I'm too busy to take a day off. I'm too busy to spend time with God. Then you are too busy. Because even God taught us that he could create the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. I'm going to come full circle. To build in margin. Because for me, if I don't rest, I'm not at my best. <laughs> I told you this a moment ago, but whenever I get really tired, I say dumb things. When I get exhausted, I do dumb things. When I'm tired, I make bad decisions, I'm quick-tempered, and I'm no fun to be around. Because when I don't rest, I'm not at my best. Let me close, and I like to close this way. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to let this question simmer in your hearts. This is how we're closing. As a matter of fact, at both of our campuses, the worship team is coming. Our campus pastors, they're transitioning as well. And I want you to consider this question. What are you saying yes to that you know you should be saying no to?